have an assignment tonight, and so uh, you'll, you'll see more as we continue on in tonight. We're going to charge everybody to release something tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> and so um, it was just a, 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 a outpouring of, of, of so much, but, uh, you know, between last Wednesday and then uh, this past Sunday, uh, how many of y'all have just made a determination to live in perpetual victory? <laughs> perpetual victory, ongoing, unstoppable. Unstoppable victory. That's who we are. That's our inheritance, and that's what's been provided for us. And so uh, you'll see how that connects in even to tonight. Uh, you know, I, I, matter of fact, the only thing I'm going to wrestle with, I keep getting more revelation as far as with this completion and God finishing and ending some things and beginning some new things. And so um, you don't have to turn there. We'll get to our text in a little while. But uh, y'all, it was in Luke chapter 11 where Jesus taught his disciples, you know, he gave them a model of prayer, uh, which we know about, you know, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then after that, he started giving some examples about being persistent in prayer. You know, he talked about, you know, if your neighbor comes knocking on your door, you know, at night, uh, uh, you know, you're not going to just give him his request just because he's a, your neighbor, but because more so because he's just persistent. So Jesus taught about that. Uh, so he taught, gave the disciples, you know, the model to pray because they saw him pray. And then he taught them about persistency. Um, but then uh, and that even kind of connects, you know, last week we talked about, you know, Nahum and then, you know, striking the ground, emptying out the arrows and striking the ground. So that way we can get total victory. And so that's that persistency in that as well. Uh, but what I found interesting, you know, in Luke 11, you know, when Jesus was, was giving this teaching, after he gave that model prayer, you know, our Father which art in heaven, and then after he told them about persistency, then the Bible says that he uh, was dealing with a mute spirit. And he cast out a mute spirit. Now, we don't know the method in which he did it, but it says that, you know, he cast out a mute, a, a demon that was mute. So I thought it was interesting. Here he gave a model for prayer. Then he talked about being persistent in prayer. And then he deals with a demon that interferes with prayer. I never saw that before. I was like, wow, he's teaching his disciples. First of all, he modeled it in his own life. Then he gave his disciples a model as far as for connecting with the Father. Told him, he's like, hey, be persistent. You know, when you pray, when you knock, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. And, you know, and then he rebukes uh, or he pretty much he, he cast out a mute spirit. And so uh, this isn't the whole point, but, you know, it just brought to my attention because, you know, a mute spirit is real. <laughs> it exists and it is prevalent. And what I understand it, uh, uh, you know, because we, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, so it is sneaky as well. So here's some, here's some manifestations so that way we can identify. And once we identify it, we can address it, call it out, and it, and it has to flee. Um, but in the physical, uh, it could possibly manifest. I'm not saying that this is always the case, but uh, we saw, you know, we, we understand that reference with Jesus in Luke 11, um, that it can manifest in a speech impediment. Or some other physical uh, condition where the tongue is arrested and it affects the speech. And so it, it mutes where we literally, a person cannot communicate for whatever reason. 
And sometimes, you know, uh, you know, it could be other reasons, but we do have an example here in that text that it was, a, a, you know, a spirit can be connected to that as well. You can also see it, and this is this applies. Uh, this is something that you find out in life. So you don't necessarily see this in scripture because uh, the technology wasn't available. But what you will find if you're in a church meeting or even in a revival meeting, there can be moments where somebody's preaching or singing, delivering the word or singing in the presence of God show up. But then the sound goes out. <laughs> so I'm like. Of course, it could be just somebody making an error, but then it could also be some spiritual interference in the atmosphere. And typically, I have seen on some occasions where some people, you know, they get all frustrated and, you know, they might react in the flesh with the sound people not understand. It's like, hey, you know what? There's some spiritual influence that tries to mute the word or a song going forth and being released. And so we just want to be discerning and mindful. And I know this house does, you know, when, when things, sometimes when it's a sound, some, I know some people right away, they just go, they just start praying because they understand. It's like, hey, you know what? Because sometimes, you know, a, a power go out or, you know, we've even had it here, <laughs> you know, where electricity just went out in the middle of a storm. And so we immediately, everybody just shifted. It's like, okay, yeah, we know what's up. And it just shifted everything from that point on. And so we see how, and I'm like, you know, that's a connection to the mute spirit that tries to press mute on what's going on. Here's another thing. You see it in, in uh, I've seen it in operation in tandem with the spirit of depression. When people are depressed, they feel like they can't talk or don't want to talk. So here you got depression, you got all that weight and that emotion, and then you got that thing that's like, oh, you don't want to say nothing. And the influence and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's strong because the very breakthrough that is needed is for you to be able to open your mouth, to be able to talk, to be able to communicate. And so that mute spirit tries to suppress that, that calling out, that crying out. Here's another thing. You also see it tag teaming with the spirit of fear. Here you go, because fear paralyzes and that impedes faith. And then if you don't have faith, it's going to be difficult for you to even pray. So we see that mutinous there. It can operate overtly through wicked men and inadvertently as believers unknowingly yield to its influence. And this often shows up in systematic ways. Here's an overt example. The spirit will try to rob you of the value of your voice and voice print systematically. So if you're speaking up for righteousness in the midst of wickedness, sometimes it can even show up in government forms where they try to suppress and mute here you got here when they try to get rid of prayer in school that's muting and so when you're trying to speak up on behalf and we and we've seen the results we've seen the consequences when they've muted prayer and of course the world doesn't know but we've seen we've seen the results and then inadvertently uh y'all remember the disciples they tried to silence the men who cried out for Jesus they, they were crying out for Jesus, not for the disciples, but the disciples were like, shh. And so inadvertently, so we see this throughout history where men um, have misapplied scripture and have utterly silenced the voice of women and young adults from the pulpit in churches throughout centuries. Took one scripture, 
I believe misapplied it, got the wrong context of what, what Paul was saying in that moment, and then just said, man, you know what, women ain't supposed to preach. And I'm like, technically speaking, women were the first people to preach the gospel. Jesus is risen. Just, just technically. <laughs> I mean, aside from Jesus himself. <laughs> but you see, systematically, so they, they, they press mute. Young adults, I was just listening to the scripture, and it just caught my attention when it talks about how young men at 20 were of age to be able to serve priestly duties. I was like, man, so you had young adults serving from the whole time, but then some people made it like, hey, you have to be however many old to be used of God. So they, pre- they press mute. They try to, you know, it tries to suppress. And then here's a key point. I personally believe, you know, when I just kind of slow down and look at it, that its influence, not saying directly, but its influence was used by the serpent in operation from the garden. Y'all remember, there's this quote that says, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing and remain silent. As powerful that is that, as that is, we see that in the garden. We see that in the garden. When Eve was being tempted, Adam was there and said nothing. Now, when we look at it, no immediate consequences happened when Eve bit the fruit. <laughs> it wasn't until she turned and gave the fruit to Adam and he ate that their eyes were open to their nakedness. Why? Because Adam, here we go, this is, this, this is a little part that's a little deeper. Adam, his name means man. In the Hebrew, it, it means man. It means mankind or human being. Here we go. Adam, mankind, human being, he carried the decree of God. He carried God's command. And so Eve's name means life, living, as she was the mother of of all living. So when the decree, when the command wasn't released to Eve, they died spiritually. I'm going to explain this. And then eventually physically. Now, she wasn't given her name Eve until after, you know, after the fall or after, after this occurrence. But here's some revelation. Have you ever heard the phrase, life happens? And I just, I just thought about it and, you know, just, you know, just thinking with the Lord. But people say, yeah, you know what, life happens. And so when they say that, that means that, uh, you know, there's things that's inadvertently or unfortunate or unattend, unintended that happens. And then some people say by way of motivation, it's not what happens to you, but how you respond. So they say life is going to happen, but it's not what happens to you, and it's how you respond, which is true. But here, here we go. So life happened. Eve. So life and Eve happened. Life happened. Her name meaning life. It, it, It happened. She bit the fruit. But Adam, mankind did not respond with the decree to shut down life's direction. Meaning that it was going in this direction and it was starting to turn towards him. Life was happening and turning towards him. So his response should have been, hey, you know what? This is what God says. This is what God's decree is. This is the word to remind you life, what 
and to reinforce his responsibility. His presence being there was to reinforce the edict, the commands of the king, what God said. That's what mankind's responsibility, that's what Adam Meaning man, meaning mankind, meaning human being. His responsibility was to reinforce what God said in the earth realm. And so, for us, it's not that we wallow in the sin and the sorrows of others. Because people will get entangled and they'll get ensnared when life happens. What we want to make sure that we do, instead of uh, uh, what we notice here, instead of him bearing her sin and lifting her up, he partook of it. So we don't have to, you know, when people are going, going through trials, it's like, man, you know, we got to give them, in essence, life. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm going I'm to be in here with you. I'm going to continue with you in prayer, but I'm not going to partake. I'm going to remind you what God said. I can cry with you for a moment. But, but I need to remind you what God said. That's my responsibility. And so decrees must be repeated so that all here. She had that conversation with the serpents like, hey, you know what? God said we're not supposed to do this. And then the serpent said, hath God not said? And then she started questioning. So when people are in doubt, it's like, hey, we need to come back and reinforce, hey, no, no, God did say. <laughs> this is what God, God did say. And so it's important for us because as present-day ambassadors, we have to release the decree of the kingdom from our mouths so that way it can be established in our generation. has to be established and executed in our generation. So we see that the goal of the mute spirit at one level is to prevent prayers. But then the goal of the mute spirit at a higher level is to prevent the edict and decrees or commands. God desires decrees to be released in this region and for the church to understand her nature and her position to do so. Meaning that it's the church's responsibility to continue to release the decrees of the kingdom. And so, of course, we, we see that the church as a whole is very familiar with prayer, which is great. We understand prayer. It's the intimate and personal connection with God as the Father. And so that connection must always, always be there. But then there's also another dimension. Which we understand this as an apostolic and prophetic house. But there's another dimension in making and releasing decrees. The commandments of God. And this is where we understand that he's not only father, but he's king. And again, that we're not only his children, but we are ambassadors and his representatives. That speak and position our cities, regions, states, and even the nation for what God has in store, for what God's plan is, including revival. And so we see this example in God's decree through King Cyrus' decree. Some are familiar with this, but some are not. 
And so let's turn where there's a few passages that we'll look at, but it's in the book of Ezra, Old Testament. It's something we were in Nahum last week. <laughs> Tonight we're going to be in Ezra. And so we see here, uh, you know, I guess throughout history, uh, you know, because it's very governmental, but we know that decrees are most typically issued and through, through kings. And so this first passage, I'm actually reading from the ESV, but when you hear command, that's decree, and when you hear decree, that's command. And so I'm reading from the English Standard Version, uh, the ESV, but I'm going to read, we're going to first start at verse uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. And again, this is the book of Ezra, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. We're going to look at the decree initiated. And so we see how this works here. Uh, and so it says this. As a matter of fact, just to even uh, recap, y'all remember last week when we talked about ending cycles and how uh, there were different governments or, or different kingdoms that came in uh, and oppressed, uh, you know, Israel. And so uh, we, we know that Nahum prophesied about the end of the Babylonian Empire. And so who brought that to an end was actually this kingdom right here that we're about to read about. It's the kingdom of Persia. And so uh, Ezra chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. So we already have a prophetic a person that prophesied about King Cyrus. <clears throat> so again, in the first year of King Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. So who stirred up his spirit? The Lord. So Cyrus is not a Jew. <laughs> But the Lord stirred up his spirit, and so here you're going to see why. So that he made, so that Cyrus made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem. That's so powerful. Which is in Judah. Whoever is among you, all... His people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his palace with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides freewill offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. So the children of Israel have been in exile. And so here you have this king of Persia who gets stirred up to make a decree. <laughs> he gets stirred up to make a decree, and he says, hey, you know what? God, God has charged me to make sure that, to, matter of fact, God has charged me to build him a house. So all you children of Israel, who your God is, go, go, go to Jerusalem. And then... As you build, you're going to get the provisions of the king. In other words, whatever you need to build, it's yours. That's a great decree. 
coming from a king in this earthly realm who's been stirred up to do something on behalf of God's kingdom, and he was aware of it. In essence, he broke protocol <laughs> in the earthly realm for the sake of God's people because he was stirred to do so. So let me just pause for a moment and just say, and let's just make this statement, just say, Father, I thank you that people are stirred up to move on your behalf for my sake. Yes, <laughs> come on. That people will make decrees and say, hey, you know what, do this for them. And can't nobody say nothing about it. I like that. I like that. And so that took place. So they began, so, so, so they started. They started the process, and then uh, they got to a point of, of, of building, at least getting to the point of the foundation. And so, you know, some people, uh, you know, they, they saw it, and some people were like, whoo, yes, that is so good. Some people that remembered, because this is actually going to be a, a second temple, because Solomon already had the first temple that got you know, this is part of the cycle when, when the God's people got jacked up, uh, stuff just went crazy for the nation. So that temple got raised, meaning destroyed. And so they were stirred, King Cyrus and the people were now stirred up to rebuild. And so the foundation was a little bit smaller. People were like, ah, oh, some people that have seen the old temple, they were like, oh. But some people that had never were part of it and saw, and saw, saw it, they were like, woo! And so the Bible, you know, you know, gives this, this statement, says, man, you know, it was, it was such a together of weeping and rejoicing that people couldn't even tell what was going on. But still, God, God also had prophetic people to encourage this movement. Prophetic voices like, look, hey, you're going to build. God is with you. Keep going. When you read Haggai, he was connected to this. All of, the, all of these people, so uh, Ezra and, and Nehemiah is like a part two. It's kind of together in this. It's all together. So we're looking at this, this phase one here. But then in, so we have the first decree initiated in Ezra chapter four. So you can go over a few more chapters here. Verse 19 through 21 and then verse 24. We have a new king that's on the scene. Cyrus isn't here. So new king that's on the scene, King Artaxerxes, hears about the Jews rebuilding the temple. And these same Jews, uh, you know, he found, it was told him, he's like, man, you know, these Jews and this, this temple has, been, has had a history of being an issue. So Ezra chapter 4, verse 19 through 21. So King Artaxerxes, he has a different view. After he hears about the history of this temple and, and Jews, they were like, in, in essence, they've been a thorn and have been just messed up so many other kings. This is what he says here. He actually makes a new decree to mute the work. And he says, and I made a decree. This is Artaxerxes here. And search has been made and it has been found that the city from of old has risen against kings 
and that rebellion and sedition have been made in it. And mighty kings have been over Jerusalem who ruled over the whole province beyond the river to whom tribute, custom, and toll were paid. Therefore, make a decree that these men be made to cease and that this city be not rebuilt until a decree is made by me. And this, you can skip down to verse 24. Then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped, and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And so there was a cease and desist order that was released. In essence, trying to stop what was already going on. And so the enemy will do that or attempt to do that. And so what we find here when God decrees something, what looks like a stop is actually simply a pause to give time for people on earth to partner with his decree again until it is completed. That's why we have to decree so that way we can see manifestation in our generation. Because what God said is going to happen. But if some things get paused for a moment, then, then it's got to be picked back up. And so we see this, it's about 15 years later in another generation. Here we have another king, a new king, Darius or Darius, who finds the decree. So he actually found coming across the original decree from King Cyrus. And says, well, hey, you know what? Let's pick this back up. <laughs> and so they do. <clears throat> and then here's where that part where the completion comes in, again, with the 2020 factor. So in Ezra chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Ezra chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. And the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai. I'm telling you, when you believe prophetic voices, they can position you for prosperity. <laughs> and the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah. He said, hmm, I like that. Zechariah, he, he responded to his name being called. And Zechariah, the son of Edu, they finished their building by decree. Hey, Zechariah, can you do me a favor? Can you just say one word? Say finish. Can you say finish? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so we just had to have that Zechariah say finish. <laughs> So you have Zechariah and Haggai saying, hey, encouraging them. You could do this. And you can read their two, two, two books to find out more. But they finished their building by decree. Here we go. Matter of fact, let me read this again. And the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Edu. They finished their building by decree of the God of Israel and by decree of Cyrus and Darius, and Asersis, king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month of Adar, in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. So again, here we go. They finished their building by the decree of the God of Israel. 
and then by the decree of the king. They finished their assignment by the decree of God and by the decree of man. They finished their assignment by the decree of God. And then man had the same decree. And it was finished. By the decree of God. It didn't say that before. Cyrus says, hey, hey, I'm making this decree. But no, it was decreed before you even released it out of your mouth. You were stirred to action of what was already decreed from heaven. What was already on the mind and heart of God. So we as people have to tap into that. And so what we have here, this is an example. When you just read and just find out more about it, in essence, because Ezra was connected to this, this actually was revival. It's spiritual renewal. People building their faith in, and being encouraged. And, of course, there was warfare and contention with all of that. But it was positioning the nation. Hey, man, now, now we have a temple to where we can sacrifice and worship our God. Faith was renewed. People... Uh, children of Israel that have made uh, covenants with and, 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 and gotten married to people that were outside of the faith and things of that nature, there was a conviction. It's like, man, you know what, God, I'm turning my heart fully towards you. Things were quickened. They were stirred up. There was a whole bunch of stirring going on. And so, again... Jesus, make this connection here. Of course, we know of Adam in the garden. He's known as the first Adam. Jesus has several titles, but he's also known as the last Adam. Here's the connection with this. Because Jesus, who was known as the last Adam, he's also our example. He made a decree in the same temple that was built that, that, that we see in Ezra and Darius' time. He was in the temple, and so what he did, he made a decree and said, this house shall be called a house of prayer. What he did, he prophesied and made a decree of what was already prophesied from two other prophets before. That's significant because he didn't say anything different. He was stirred. Here you have Cyrus that was stirred to make a decree and to build a house. Jesus, when he walked in and saw all the money changes and all this stuff going on, man, he was stirred up big time. Made a whip, turning over tables. Get out! This is my father's house. That's passion. And he released what was on the mind, what God's original intention and what his heart was. This house where people were stirred to build, that God said that the latter glory shall be even greater. Why is it greater? Because I'm in the house. And this shall be called a house of prayer, prophetically convicting, bringing people's hearts back to where it should be. Because we have a tendency, we can have a tendency to drift. Decrees anchor us and get us back on focus. It's throughout history. It's, it's just what, I mean, it, it starts with the first Adam. 
<laughs> so it's important for us. So again, he quoted the word that this house shall be called a house of prayer. And he said this, but you have made it a den of thieves. My goodness. I believe that same word is real profound even today. Because, you know, especially in Western culture, it can be real easy for church to get commercial. And so that's why we as an apostolic and prophetic house, as an apostolic and prophetic house, that those, those Haggai's and those Zechariah-type voices even today, the Jesus-type voice today says, hey, no, 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 no. This is not what church is about. It's about God. It's about Jesus. And it's about people being transformed and coming into the kingdom. Other stuff gets trivial. It was something, uh, you know, I, when I went to bed last night, I've been, just been getting in this habit, you know, just when I go to bed, I've just been laying my hand upon my heart and just inviting the Holy Spirit while I'm sleeping that I'm still open. And one thing that I've just been saying, just the past couple of nights, is like, Lord, set me on fire. Lord, set me on fire. What was interesting, uh, just even before service tonight, Apostle put his hand on my back and he was like, Amongst other things, he's like, God set him on fire. I ain't telling him this, but I'm saying it now. His hand was hot. It was like hot on my back. I was like, Lord Jesus, yes. Someone just say, Lord, set me on fire. And so Jesus had that same passion. And so, and, wow. Because we see it because Jesus modeled prayer. He taught his disciples how to pray. About this decree, and then he comes into the temple and releases the decree that was already prophesied. Saying, hey, this is what I'm doing, but this is your responsibility as well. If the church so happens to get off, bring the church back. Bring it back to prayer. heard this one message and it was so refreshing because he challenged the church in the midst of encouragement but at the same time it was just a powerful message of just dealing with sin and conviction and repentance but then it was still in love I was like God this is so good I've never heard John Bevere speak before I got wind of him now I was like oh wow I was familiar with his wife but I was like man he's strong And so it was a, 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 a great message. But needless to say, for us as an apostolic and prophetic house, uncompromisingly, making sure that the main thing stays the main thing, we as a people can make decrees because it's not just we're just following Jesus. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. It's like they know how I speak, they know what I speak. Sometimes we just put it in the context, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. Yes, but now decree as I decree. Say as I say. If you know my voice, do as I do. He said, my sheep know it. So we pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for the sheep that ain't, 
that ain't hearing, or maybe they're just not his sheep. <laughs> that the goats get converted. <laughs> ah. And so Jesus finished God's ultimate decree as we look at it. He finished God's ultimate decree for his temple because it wasn't just about brick and mortar. It wasn't just about brick and mortar, but Jesus actually came and finished, finished it. That's how he said when it was finished, because he told this. He was like, look, this temple that he just said shall be a house of prayer. He's like, look, you can tear it down. I'm going to raise it up in three days. They were like, what? What you talking about? Jesus knew what, what God's ultimate plan was and even the intention of all those decrees. Oh. So even when he was in the brick and mortar temple, he was saying that, but then also prophetically speaking to his church. Because we are the temple of God. That he finished. He's like, that's the work that needed to be done. That the house in this earth realm, that God can now live everywhere throughout the whole world. But now we as the living temples, the living brick and mortars, the living rocks that cry out in this earth realm, thus saith the Lord, and shifting our region, shifting our cities, Shifting our families. I've just become just becoming more conscious as even when, when I drive. Every now and then, just different places, you know, it just becomes heightened to me when, when I'm in a new environment. Um, the Lord's like, hey, what you going to say? It's like, oh, yeah, let me just, okay, God, what do I need to say? Just when we go different places, we have to be the voice because some decrees aren't being released. Even, even in certain churches, and I'm not knocking, but it's just the understanding, the value of who we are as a ministry and the importance not to take ourselves lightly. When we come together collectively, because not every house, they understand prayer. And Father, you're so good. And that's great. But then there's another element where decrees have to be made, commands have to be made in the atmosphere because, man, spirits are active. So pressing and oppressing, and somebody has to say something. Somebody has to say what God said so that way we can see manifestation in this earth realm, in our generation and beyond. But for us, we want to be included in this. We don't want to wait 15 years. It's like, no, I want to see it in my generation. I want to see it now. And so it's always constantly, God, hey, you know, what's your heart on the matter? Oh, before I speak, God, what are you saying? Because what it looks like to me, let me, let me not decree something out of my mouth and be that king of certes that puts a mute. <laughs> on what you're building. So in the year 5780, in the year 2020, the beginning of a decade, it's critical that, that we make decrees that are made in faith and in sync with the heart and mind of God. And so here we, as priests and as kings, we're king priests. 
You are king priests. You are. You, you are royalty. You can't see, the, you can't, might not be able to see in the physical, but you are. We have been given delegated authority to decree things from heaven to be so on earth. That same passion, that same power that Jesus says, he said, hey, you know what? He says this. I'm giving it to you. I'm going to go prepare a place for you, but you got this. I'm praying for you. I'm going to send you some help that's going to be with you. Always. If you don't know what to say, he's going to reveal to you what's on the heart and mind of God. You partner with Holy Spirit. (laughs) My goodness. So I'm driving different places. Lord's like, what you going to say? I was like, oh, God, what, okay, what do I need to say? Not saying that it happens all the time, but I've just become a lot more aware. It's like, oh, because I'm an ambassador. And I have to release some stuff. And Jesus is my example. He had an assignment every day. And it's different. Some might be with a person. Some might be, God, what do you want me to release? What do you want me to pray out? What do you want me to sow? What do you want me to give? It's just, it's, it's never gets boring. It never gets boring. But then when we see injustice and stuff going on, hey, we got to speak up. It's like, nope, that's right, that's wrong. The world don't know. They think wrong is right now. They don't know. They think wrong is right. We, We see it. It's like, oh, my gosh. And when you feel that little frustration build up, good. It's like, oh, y'all don't see? No, they can't see. They can't hear unless somebody's sent. They don't know. They're blind and deaf (laughs) and dumb. (laughs) We were too. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. And so scripture says this in Job. You could jot this down. But in Job chapter 22, verse 27 through 28, it says this. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he, meaning God, shall hear thee, meaning you, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Verse 28, thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. So you shall decree a thing. And it shall be established. And again, that's Job chapter 22, verse 27 through 28. Somebody say, I shall decree a thing. And it shall be established. But that first step is when we make our prayer unto him. So prayer and decreeing is together. Prayer, we go to the Father. Then he gives us instructions to decree. That's what it is. That's how it works. After we pray. Like, God, is there a decree to this? Is there a command? Is there anything that I need to release? <laughs> and so, again, we were also given prophetic instructions uh, this past Sunday. I just want to remind you that the word is the primary source to go to for your decrees. <laughs> the word. 
unavoidable. The word is the primary source to go to for the decrees. It's, 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 it's kind of cool and advantage and the stuff where you think about it, the enemies, he's really just boxed in because it's not cheating, but I'm like, here, we got the answer key right in front of us. I mean, we got the open book test. Man, what do I need to say? Let's open up the word. Oh, sweet. And then God breathes on it. And the devil's like, ah, oh, golly, it's not fair. So he just tries to mute. Okay, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Shh, don't say nothing. Don't speak up. Shh, don't read God's word so that way you can't say what he says. A mute spirit. He tries to come in every format so that way we speaking spirits don't speak. But it ain't going to be us. We just going to keep on talking what he's saying. We, we're going to be... Here's a SAT word that I remember. We're going to be loquacious. Loquacious. We're going to be talkative, full of words that God says. We're going to be loquacious in love. I have no idea how you spell it. <laughs> I know it's L O C. Q-U-A something. Oof. I used to remember how to say it. <laughs> but we decree from Scripture. So again, we pray to the Father. That's what it says in Job. We pray to the Father. Then we decree a thing. We pray to the Father. We get his heart. We get his mind. Then we decree a thing. So <laughs> here's the thing. We don't want to get out of order. We don't want to decree, decree without praying first. I just decree in the name. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't just be decreeing something. Because it ain't no authority. Angels are going to be like, yeah. Yeah, that ain't, that ain't what God said. <laughs> it's like, you made that up. It's like God performs his word. <laughs> he watches over that. Here's the other thing. When you get a prophetic word over your life, you can war with those. You can decree those as well, too. Number one source is the word. But then, two, if you get a prophetic word, you can decree that as well. Here's the key thing with that. There's usually a scripture connected to a prophetic word in some form or fashion. So if you find that connection point, then decree that word and then tailor it to the prophetic word as it pertains to your life or even a region or a city. And here's the thing. If you don't see it, keep decreeing it. <laughs> That's part of that persistency. And I think birds and, you know, certain animals, when they're in the shells, they, they, they keep knocking. And some people stop in prayer and in decreeing because it's like, well, man, I ain't see it yet. But you're actually getting stronger as you keep praying and decreeing. Because some people that avoid that time and that persistency when they, when they get out and try to do things on behalf of God, it's hard to sustain because they miss that time of building strength and persistently knocking, persistently praying, persistently singing. Well, it ain't happened yet. Well, keep on going. I was uh, somewhere today, and you know how you could be driving, and, uh, and then you don't realize it, but traffic stopped because there's a train. And so this train was like slow moving. 
I was like, oh, my goodness. And so I get there, and I'm probably waiting for about like maybe two, three minutes, but it was a vehicle, a van in front of me. Uh, they just stopped waiting. They just moved up a little bit and then just did a U-turn and left. And so it was like maybe one to two minutes later, I saw the end of the train, and then the gates lifted. I was like, man, they did a U-turn and tried to find a whole nother route all because they lost patience. It's like they were just at the very point of gates lifting and breakthrough for them to be able to get to their destination, but they got off the path. They lost that persistency. So keep on. Focus on finishing. <laughs> That's why we have the prophetic voices. Even released this past Sunday, hey, you know what? Perpetual victory is for your life. Perpetual victory, that's who you are. You should feel that win. I'd be like, yes, yes, I am the scent of God. Yes, everywhere I go. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I guess in a summary format, one, understand that you must be persistent in praying and decreeing. Two, take authority over any mute spirit that tries to prevent your prayers or decrees. Three, know that our decree is to be God's decree first. <laughs> Four, know that we are now the temples that carry and house the decrees of God that are to be released in the earth. And then five, make the decree from the seed of victory, knowing that it must come to pass. It must come to pass. <laughs> so I pray you're sensing a stirring even now. <laughs> King Cyrus says, hey, man, I was stirred up. I was stirred because God... God did this. God blessed. And I need to make a proclamation. I need to make a decree. What are you stirred to decree right now? What are you stirred? And so we're just going to have a moment of just even praying in the spirit right now just to stir up, stir up some things. And it ain't, it ain't conjuring, but there's something that's already. And here's the thing. If there's a scripture that pops up, that's a decree. You know, Marilyn Hickey, she, she's actually good. She was like, it was just one moment I was, uh, you know, at service. She was like, are you the youth pastor? I was like, yes. She was like, ooh, I got a word for you. And then she gave me a scripture. And that scripture became life. It was Psalms 139.95. It's different translations, but it's like, you know, God's before you. He's behind you. He's hedged you in. And he's laid his hand of blessing upon your head. And I was like, wow. Man, and this is from a general, Marilyn Hickey. Might have her. Mid to late 80s, still rolling. <laughs> and she'd be like, lay your hand on your heart. <laughs> lay your hand on your chest. But she's big about making sure that people make decrees. So let's stand. <laughs>